Welcome back to the Social Seller Podcast with Connor Paulson. Today we have William Morton. Not only someone special, a friend, someone that I was intimidated when I first met. Because, oh, dude, I can tell on, you saw the world in a great. different lens. Oh, well, that, I love it. I love it. Someone that actually stands quite a bit taller than me, and that does not come that often. Now, you and anyone listening are in for such a cool story and get ready to learn. I would say this interview alone and just going into the pre-work, going into this conversation, yeah. knowing how much thought you've put in and, and really how you can provide value. I'm excited. Now, Me too, if you don't know William Morton yet, William was born and raised in right here, San right Diego, here in San Diego. Yep. I love it. You're 24 years old. You're a hedge fund manager, founder and CEO of Camshaft Capital Fund, something you started, right? And we're going to yeah. dive in. You're based anywhere from, you know, LA, San Diego, Miami, New York, and you can also find you in, in Europe. Now, Absolutely. you have innovated investment strategies and different ways to sell and, and honestly just accumulate wealth, not only for you, but for the people around you and your loved ones in ways that haven't been done before. There are a lot of firsts for you. So I'm excited sure. to dive in. Now, just to add into the mix, you played pro basketball and that probably adds yeah. part of your European love. Yeah. Uh, and your first trade was at seven years old. So not only do I know and not have something a, you hear common, you don't, no, you really you don't. don't, you don't. And then what I know with you is that your social skills and how hard you've worked at it to yeah. be, you know, to grow up with an IQ being heavy, usually, and almost always you lack social intelligence oh, yeah. or that emotional intelligence. Right. So I'm excited to dive in. William, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for coming up, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just to dive in, what, to give some context, you, you were born in San Diego yeah, born and in we're San here Diego, at one year. And then uh, moved to Montana. I was eight. Okay. So predominantly most of my childhood was in Montana, eight to 16, and then moved back down here after. So, so I was born here and grew up here, but really I was raised in Montana and a lot of the characteristics of myself is from there, especially um, the work ethic, humility, approach to life and the grit which I think is something that's really key to myself, especially what you mentioned with um, you know, the social things and everything to learn and overcome. Amen. I, I couldn't agree more. What I'm learning is that growing up on a ranch is very similar to what I did in the Midwest. We, just, yeah. we called it a farm, right? A lot of the same standards, beliefs, and, and cultural things that you have to belong, you have to work. And I know manual labor was a part of both of our upbringings. Oh, yeah. Something that you're did, – did you enjoy it? Uh, at the time, No. And what was Did some of the stuff that you're doing, just to give context? Because so, I, I don't even yeah. know on a ranch. Yeah, so every day we had to walk our dogs to the bottom of the, of the hill, to the gate. It's about three-quarters of a mile, and walk them back. Um, we had to leave for school at, like, 7.05. So we had to, like, get up, like, around 5. This was I started this, like, fifth grade when we, when we got these two dogs. After that, we had to feed the horses. Now I thought, hey, how about... I don't get a horse, so I don't have to feed it. Now, my father still wanted me to feed the horse, so I, I fed him anyway, so it wasn't even mine. Uh, he's actually pretty smart, and it was really tough trying to get things past him growing up because we had to sign in at the gate every time we went there uh, to make sure we actually walked there. Uh, so that was before school. Weekends, we could just do it anytime, but it was every day before school. And we had these huge two dogs, like giant Alaska Malamutes, 150 pounds. I was, I was small then, believe it or not. I was just like, you know, five, six. So... These things are, you know, massive, you know, pull on you. Uh, after school, uh, it was predominantly schoolwork. And then on the weekend, just worked on the ranch. Irrigation, building ditches, f uh, fences, moving cattle, pulling weeds, picking up rocks. I picked up all the rocks in our main uh, field, about 180 acres. It took, took me a couple years. 
uh, for that one. Uh, and then uh, during summer, uh, aside from that, we had to read three and a half hours every day before work started. So how about that? What about you? What'd you wow. have to do? Well, well, first off, the walk thing. Yeah. You just grew up with caregivers that wanted you to get your morning morning cardio in, right? <laughs> I, I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, I mean, I love my father, uh, but he had this mentality. I think it's a great mentality of work ethic and manual work, but just didn't explain it well. or didn't really you know, say why I was doing things. We were just kind of told what to do. So at the time, it was frustrating because I didn't understand why I was doing something. And here I am doing something that's pretty unpleasant, especially in the winter. So that's actually, I've carried that with me to where I am now, especially um, in business. Like I always go that extra mile of communicating people, hey, this is why I need you to do this and everything, especially with friends or relationships, I think it's huge. So that was something that really turned something kind of more negative into a positive for myself. Yeah, and, and I agree, it, it builds the grit. And I think we can all build grit, but it's the easiest if we're almost forced to do it looking back, right? It's like, yeah. you, you don't enjoy it in the moment, but the older you get, the more you appreciate it and, and you learn the values it, it teaches you. And it applies if you start to learn how to use your brain over your back. And that's what my dad always preached and yep. watching him, you know, he's, he's a farmer and he works his ass off and he's like his build. He looks like a farmer. You wouldn't really want right. to mess with. Right. Yeah. And, and that was how the majority of the upbringing, you know, worked. But it was, you know, the, the difference was for us on a farm, you know, it could be like bailing, hay, detasseling in the summer. I did that for a year to, yep. um, you know, just doing chores and things. And it, it, at the time, you compare it to what your friends are doing and they don't have to do it. So you're like, oh, yeah. damn, life sucks. Oh, but the yeah. reality is you're starting to learn these foundational truths. I think that's why it's a lot easier for me to wake up early and um, well, all of those things. you're learning to do things you don't want to do. I think that's what you have to do. And really, like, in a physical way, which carries over to everything, which is huge. So you have a lot of people now who grew up kind of coddled, you know, told it's okay, you know, not to do well. It's okay to be average. You know, this culture's a little more soft. So they lose a bit of that. So when they're told that, you know, they have to do things they can't handle it yeah no exactly and I, I love that you simplify it and i think that's what the best communicators do i used to think it was how complicated you could not complicated but it was using fancy words to show an education and iq and it's really not right the yeah. reality of a quality communicator is how well our message is being received and i think right, you're such a good job it doesn't matter what you're saying how does other person feel or, or you know receiving it yeah yeah or are they getting my message? Because it doesn't matter how I'm saying it, right? And I think that's a good takeaway we'll talk about in a little bit Absolutely. in team management and, and the people we oh, surround yeah. ourselves with. Now, just to hop in, man, I know for you, February 24th of 2021 is probably a date you'll never forget. 2020, I apologize. So February 24th, yeah. 2020. What happened on that day or, or why well, was that a day you'll never forget? That was the day I began uh, shorting the, the broad market here in the U.S., um, in various different fashions uh, before the COVID crash. After staying up all night, concluding that one was coming. And it was monumental because it literally advanced my career four to six years in various ways, not just monetarily, but confidence. You know, I'd always been a great trader. Um, had a lot of great calls, you know. Um, Back in um, Great Recession, silver going to forty-seven dollars. Nailed that. Was a little was was a uh, little kid. Um, Brexit. Um, what happened after that? I think that was pretty simple. I think everyone knew that um, with Britain leaving the EU, you know, markets were going to go into turmoil um, throughout the twenty eighteen uh, winter when the market crashed twenty percent. I thought it was going to recover for a lot of different reasons. I didn't feel that the rate hike 
was sincere from the feds. They thought they were going to raise the base interest rates that carry over to every aspect of our lives. So the Fed will raise the interest rates, and then the central bank will raise them, and then the bank that you and I bank from will raise as well. And that affects everything we do because it's built into the price of everything. It costs more to borrow, costs more to produce, stems from every area. That puts pressure on the market because all of a sudden now the bottom line is less because the rates are higher. Um, the market just couldn't handle it and crashed, and I bought in a lot. Um, Trump's um, China trade war things were insane. I mean, a lot of people just don't look and do due diligence. Like the movie Big Short is a great one. You have a guy who's like, that guy is such a genius. Like, how did he think about that? Well, the guy just looked and actually looked into all the different mortgage bonds and saw that they're, they're junk. He just looked. And a lot of people don't look because the information is really dense. And I'm a looker. Like, I look into all the information, every contract I sign, I really look. So when it came to COVID, I just looked. It was crazy because you mentioned I played you know, basketball professionally. I just um, come back and I had hip surgery. I was like, you know, kind of out of it because I was, you know, on heavy medication, in rehab, in pain. And I've been hearing about this COVID thing. And I was like, ah, COVID, COVID. Like, you know, we've had tons of viruses, you know, and they don't really do anything. H1N1, SARS, Ebola. It's, it's all, you know, it's whatever, right? Uh, but my father actually had kept, um, you know, reminded me, he's like, you know, you should really look into it. So I finally did. And it was the night of the 23rd, I actually started to dive into it. And all I did is I read medical studies. And I'm not a doctor, you're not a doctor, but it's not too difficult to read a study and to understand that the difference between, you know, multitude of viruses and COVID was extremely significant, especially in the areas of potency, range of, of symptoms, uh, range of mortality, uh, incubation periods, that will lead to a mass spread. You couple that with China shutting down a quarter of a billion people, oil and banks falling off uh, a cliff in January, and for people that don't know, oil, banks, and the industrial sector are the drivers of an economy. And that's because everything you do, you need energy, you need money, and you need uh, products, which are made in those three sectors. So that, to me, signaled that a collapse coming. So I went in Excel, and I ranked several different um, variables of each virus. I touched on some earlier, um, and I saw COVID being so different. And the biggest thing with the market, and people always get tripped up in this, they'll be like, the market is just, it's too high. It's gonna crash, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, when I, when I buy in, like it was great, now it's turned around, like I don't understand, like how can this be happening? Is that the market is always right. And when you're buying a stock, if you're buying Apple, you're not buying Apple. You're buying what people think Apple is worth. That's a huge mm. connect that a lot of people don't really understand. You're right. And you want to say it again? Yeah. So when you're buying a stock, you're not like Apple. You're not buying Apple. You're buying what people think Apple is worth, which is reflected in the share price. So when the share price is moving, it's what people think it should be worth. Not what actually it is or what yeah. it should be. It's what people think. And that's what we trade. So what is that called? Timing. And timing is everything. And... I felt that the minute the market opened up significantly lower than the previous day, which is called a gap down, the crash would start. And the reason is, is that 
the market and crashes and drawdown is like a car on a road. And on both sides, they are cliffs. And what happens is the road will narrow and widen, which will allow the car to move in the road without falling off. So it can handle things. Wider road can handle more, you know, turbulence, right? When the road narrows due to a tighter um, monetary uh, policy, um, worldwide tensions, um, over-leveraged debt, some examples, yeah. um, even inflation, for example, uh, the road will tighten. So before COVID, the road had tightened. So when this when this happened, I was like, this is the thing that's going to knock it over on the cliff. And that was precursed in January by oil and banks falling off. And when you look at the market, you can always kind of see why things are happening. Mm-hmm. And so that was like more beyond just like, okay, I think, you know, COVID is going to be a lot different than other viruses because X, Y, and Z. Uh, this is actually, this is what's happening in the world. So this, like these things are tying in. So that's what, that's what leads into me making a decision. And then the third step was the timing, which is the hardest part. I mean, it's the hardest thing. You can have great timing, you can have poor timing, and you can be the same person. You know, dumb people can still make money because they got good timing and very smart people can lose a lot of money because they got poor timing. So when that happened, you know, the morning of the 24th, that's when um, I put on the positions. It was crazy because I stayed up the whole night. I was actually on a a date with the girl who became my girlfriend. Third date, lovely girl. And um, we got back and I was like, hey, like I just want to look into this. And she was going to sleep over. And... I just told her after there, it's like, hey, I just have to really focus on this. Like, I'm sorry, like we didn't even know each other that well, but I think this is like a life-changing thing. I'm not totally sure, but I need to figure it out. And I don't drink any caffeine or anything. I just stayed up the whole night and just leveled into it. And for me, that's like the core of who I am. Like I will put, you know, other things to the side, including, you know, things like that, to focus on what needs to be done. And it was a tough decision because I was managing other people's money at the time. And it was, it's a monumental thing because I had not ever shorted the market. I always made fun of people who shorted the market because you're betting on an occurrence that happens one out of 20 times. You look at all the crashes, it never really happens. It doesn't make any sense to do it. Why are you trying to win 5% of the time when you can win 95% of the time, right? But I felt this was different. I had strong conviction and it was one of those things where I was like, you reach the crossroads in your life and this opportunities like this happen maybe maybe once if you're lucky and you either go one way or the other and it happened to me and I took that one path so I'm thankful that I had the confidence and ability I think a lot of that came from upbringing the people I put myself around to do that and it was it was wild I um, I was the only person in an institution to trade several major expirations on um, the future uh, derivative markets for like the broad index, um, which is a huge marketplace. Like the S&P 500 yeah. contracts with the quarterlies, I was the only one trading them. My broker thought I had been hacked. He's like, why are you buying 1,500 puts? For example, the S&P was, um, you know, well over 
uh, 3,000 at that point. And I had, I was buying 1,500 uh, puts. Not that I think the S&P was going to go to 1,500. No, maybe. But I knew that those contracts were going to appreciate very high, highly because of multitude of factors we don't have to get into. Uh, and there was no one there. And that that's a huge one. Like those, those 500s, 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 are huge. And there was no way to trade in the 2,000s, no way to trade in the 2,500s. Um, and I split up the, the assets into that trade, longing bonds, because people rush into bonds to put in their money because they want, when things get tough, they turn to security. And a bond, for those that don't understand, is just a contract with a company or government, for example, like the U.S. Treasury, where you put away your money for an X amount of years and you get a set percentage interest rate per year backed by the issuer, which is the U.S. government pretty secure right so people will rush into those what happens when people move more into those the return on your investment for new people go down because all of a sudden everyone wants one so now they can lower the price right so the bonds will go up the yield the return will go down yep. moved heavily into those nobody was i, I, I was up like 10 percent away from where the price was uh, which is a huge move for bonds these things don't really move that much um short oil airlines cruise lines and collectively exit my long positions on the same day and it was i also bought a lot of calls on the vix and that was actually the vix is the volatility index good question okay, okay. the volatility index measures the expected range of um, move in the s p 500 and it's derived from different option contracts on S&P 500. That's, that's where the price comes from. Most people re refer to it as the fear index. So when things go into turmoil, the VIX shoots up. It's really the cost of hedging your position. Really, like, what's it going to cost you to protect your investments? That's what that's what it is. And I bought a lot of those um, several like, expirations out, and that was actually my favorite trade of this because the VIX moves very fast and quick. Like, I got in uh, at a very low price. I got out at 82, and it topped that day at 84. Wow. And it closed uh, significantly lower. I think it closed at like 65 or something that day. Like, I mean, it went from like 50 to like 84 to like 65, and the next day it was like, I think it was like 50, don't quote me, it's somewhere around there, but it moved so quick, and I exited like on uh, the top of that. That was, was that was my favorite. I had perfect timing. Like yeah. Everything was lined up for this. Um, and it really gave me, first of all, the capital to start a fund, which is not cheap. Uh, and not the front cost, but it's also the current costs. And it was also the confidence where, like, you know, if nobody gave me their money, I was okay because I got enough of my own. And I, like, after this, like, I can do anything. I mean, that, what happened there was a complete anomaly in the market. And that we'd never seen anything like that. No, no previous crashes, especially the rate of the speed. Um, so that was, um, that started February 24th. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Just to, to get the breakdown, it makes so much more sense to me how all of that happened. And I didn't realize the fund wouldn't have started without this. Yeah. No. It wasn't a fund, but it wasn't a hedge fund before. It was an investment company, investment fund, which is separate than a hedge I gotcha. fund, which is different. It rotate into there. Um, but it was, uh, it was interesting because people thought it was crazy. Like, I told people, you know, get out. I told people, like, to sell everything. 
uh, you know, I packed up my stuff. I went to Montana like three days after. Like I was like, I'm open space. Everyone thought I was nuts. They thought, you know, mom thought I had a bad reaction to like the, you know, painkillers from the <laughs> surgery. And, uh, you know, I was hoping it wasn't going to happen because I knew how it would affect people. I knew what happened. And it was, it's sad that the majority of why, you know, I am where I am so quickly came off the backs of people dying and, you know, travesty to a lot of people but i don't really look like that i look at it as like it's a situation where you're competing with someone and betting that what do you think they think is going to yeah. happen and that's all it is like i said like i'm not betting that covid is going to go out and kill people i'm betting that people are going to react poorly to that happening and that's the market but it was hard for a little bit because obviously like i'd have much rather have made a lot of money and had my big uh, growth in a more positive environment than other, you know, the travesty, but that's just not how the cards fell. Right. And then there's yeah. the cliche. I mean, the, the most millionaires and billionaires are created in down economies. I mean, it's, it's people that identify opportunity and that's Absolutely. so much what we're treading around. I feel yeah. like in this conversation is no. the fact that, uh, it's, it's the lens on life, right? You can Absolutely. go through adversity. That adversity allows you to have contrast in opportunities, but you start to identify them. And yeah. when you work on yourself, all of a sudden, in, yeah. in surrounding yourself around people, right? What I love is I caught the word. You didn't say I was around them. You said you surrounded them. Yeah. That tells me you were purposefully putting yourself yeah, in an environment, that, yeah. right? So I'm telling you, like, it's I'm, I'm learning so much as we, we discuss this. And, and uh, it's exciting because it's my same beliefs. And I think that the way you speak about the market and, you know, this is a realm I don't know well yet. Well, and I hope I can break it down simply for you. I, I love it. No, because this is... You, it's, it's a lot more simple than people make it out to believe. People love to overcomplicate things, to yeah. make it sound hard, so they seem more superior or whatever, and make it more complicated. It's really simple. I love hearing that. And it's reassuring, right? Because I think for myself personally, I've been one that probably leaned more so, because I don't know, the the... the investment trading realm of what you're talking about as well i naturally lean towards you know it's out of my control there's no way you can read the future like you're putting money yeah. into it yeah the people at the top run it right, right. they run it they have technology they have the ability to do yeah. things normal people can't so yeah. why would i want to play a game it's like going to a casino right i'm not right. a big fan of casinos why Me would either. i want to get into that game hey, amen to that right no really <laughs> never been just anything them. lottery anything like it's, it's just, just it's gross the odds. and it's just sad the people that are there it's just like they're just life is like it's like you know that harry potter movie uh the third one have you seen it did you ever see harry potter i've seen all books? of them okay so the third one yeah bit. you know the one that goes in and sucks your life away the prisoner of azkaban one you know okay. those little ghost things like they come oh yeah, to yeah, you yeah 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 and they just eat. that's what i feel be, like being in there like, I, I that's one of the things i'm actually kind of poor at if I'm around people where I'm seeing like that, I I just feel like I'm just decaying inside. So just leave. So yeah, I can't not to go on a ramp, but yeah, no casinos. Yeah. So give me some other examples for you, because obviously I can see in your body language too, and, oh, and yeah. like it does make you feel uncomfortable. Oh, so does. what other environments are like that were comfortable? It it's just that like I could be doing better for myself. Yeah, and but I've, it's creating an emotion in you, and that's oh, yeah, why I'm saying comfortable. Oh yeah, yeah. I can it, see it, your body it's just too. irritating. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not like in a bad way, but it's just like. I don't understand, and it's fine. I don't need to understand yeah. what people, you know, you're doing in your life, and that's totally you're doing your own thing. But for me, like, I don't want to be around that because, like, that doesn't coincide with where I'm going. Yeah. And I'm a little more, I'm a lot more intense in that aspect. Of, like, yeah. you know, I can be harsh with people, but also very kind and thoughtful. And I don't have a tolerance 
for those type of you know behaviors or characteristics where you're just the choices you're making in your life are in your own control and you're choosing not to better yourself like i don't care where you are in your life as a person what i care about is where you're going and that is the same thing in stocks and there's a lot of similarities between the market or you know talking women or yeah. and, and people it's the same thing and it's like you know i I love seeing overweight people in the gym. It's one of my favorite things. It's like awesome. Love it, I right? used to be like that when I was a kid. Like I was, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't guess now, but I was. And when I see people who just don't do that, I yeah. just I just don't want to be around them. I just don't because it's it just, I feel like who you're around affects you so much. It's like at a cellular level, you know? It's just like, it's your environment shapes you, you know? So I'm a big believer in that because I think that is a huge part of where I am here. Like you said, surrounding myself with people I have is why, you know, a big part why I didn't want to go to college. Yeah. Because I just couldn't identify with that crowd. Not that, you know, it's a generalization for everyone, but it's just for me, it's something where I felt that the majority of those people and decisions they make doesn't align with what I want to do, and it's not the best place for me to get to where I want. It's not efficient. Right? Exactly. And I love that you say that because it's we're all chasing what makes us happy, right? Yeah. And and for you and getting to know you, I know you you mean it just because that's the lens you have on life. Now you are in a different caliber, especially at twenty four years old, that you have those beliefs and you have those filters set in your mind of this is what I, you know, this is acceptable behavior, this is non-acceptable behavior for myself. And then because you started living congruently and yeah. in, in doing that, then naturally you want to surround yourself with other people like that. So it starts feeling comfortable when you're around those people. And I think for anyone listening, I'm sure you can, you can feel that same sense when there's certain friends or family members or people in your life that you have to see every once in a while. And when you do, you don't really look forward to it and you know it's going to mentally and emotionally maybe yeah. be a little taxing. I feel like that's a similar in some way. Yeah, I know I know you you interviewed me, but I want to I ask you a question. Let's hear it. So, for me, when those situations happen, I will do my best what I can, what I think is appropriate to, to help them. I just don't, you know, just because cut, cut someone off if they're going through a hard time or they're just making poor choices. This, you know, we've all made poor choices, right? That's not fair. Uh, my question is, is... When that is happening, how successful have you been at actually reverting the behavior or course of someone going through? Because for myself, I said I can communicate pretty well and get across people. I have found that it only damages actually our relationship because then the person shifts, you know, what you're trying to do to its attack on them. And when I first started, it was hey, I don't think what you're doing is right or this, whatever. And I try to give justifications. And then I just moved to what I thought, which was the best, which is just saying things to allow the person to make up their own mind or decision. Like, you can't tell them what to do, but tell them the things that they need to know so that they can make a decision. You gotta frame it, you know, how you want. Uh, but my question is, I, I find it's generally an unsuccessful endeavor and leads to turmoil in the relationship and it's just kind of sad. What are your thoughts? Great question, man. I love yeah, it. And anything related to communication and influence, yeah. I love because this is something for me. For for you, you learn numbers before you learn the alphabet, right? Yeah. You were seeing numbers. Numbers made sense to you. Where most kids, myself included, Oscar, like we were, we were that, right? So because of it, other things started to take shape, and you started to use it as an advantage. Now, for me, it was communication, and I've gone through 
all of those in-betweens, right? Yes, because you come in thinking, hey, I'm like, I'm learning these things. I just want to share it with the world. I want to share it with you because I care about you, right? Now, the challenge is, is what energetic level you're bringing to that individual if they're not at that level or if they haven't put that thought in. Obviously, obviously seems like you're trying to demand or tell you how to live a life. Like yeah. how, you know, in, in certain ways it might have felt when we were kids and didn't have context for having to go out and do chores or, or work, right? right? No it's like, why the hell are you coming in here? Like, you know, you could be at a bar or a social yeah. setting. And, and um, what I've come to find out, and it wasn't until the last year, and it was trial and error and being fortunate to talk to a lot of people, right? Yeah. And in valuing it and having a curiosity like you do for numbers, that curiosity for me is in communication. Now, if that was to happen nowadays, I'm going to position it more as, first off, I probably won't even dive into it, right? I think the context where this conversation started was like if we're at the casino, right? And I'm there. First with, off, with your friend, like your friend's I'm, going to the casino a lot. And maybe it's Oh, oh this yeah. is someone, this is a friend. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, someone you okay. know is like they're, and they're going there too much and you're, you know, you know it's bad. Everyone knows it's bad and you're trying to get them to shift away from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, how successful have you been actually been able to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, my, it, it's, I mean, people make their own choices. And they're gonna. I think people, I think society, especially culture, gives too much credit to it's too hard or you can't and these different things. Because, like, I know when I do things that are wrong. I'm a conscious choice. Like, we have willpower. Yeah. Like, you want to go do something you're not supposed to? Like, you can choose no. Yeah. And so I find that it's on them. That's what about you? It always comes down to all of us, right? Yeah. So, like, the same thing and the, the one point I want to make with the, the conversation right before this is that the market speaks, right? Mm -hmm. Just having that understanding for me it does in in business to business sales right and yeah. dealing with the companies that that people are trading right and on your side it's where your investments are going to go at the end of the day it's not how good you think your products or product or service is it's are people buying it right and exactly. there can be that truth that a lot of people don't want to believe and i think that applies in life too so for most people that might not have defined those things, then it's not going to make sense but i think the quality of a relationship and being a mature male and having a fellow male relationship that that should be foundational. And I do that often with my guy friends. We have those conversations okay. that it's, Hey, like I, it, there's always that understanding and we, we vocalize it every once in a while to remind each other that I want you to hold me accountable. Like you see me ever doing you shit, slipping up, That's please do. Best relationship is. And I know you're coming from that place yeah. for one tactic to help here is in this exact example. Cause maybe it's happened to you. I might go with the friend, and meet him and I'd try to figure out a way that it could be one-on-one -on -one, right and go there for this night to meet in in a comfortable place on his terms right and and obviously like you know you know giving context beforehand I sure. I've got an obligation all right you know I've got 90 minutes I'm excited to see you sitting yeah. down and when the uh, when the conversation's right right not hopping in seeming like there's there is that motive coming in but just helping them understand how much you value them and making yeah. some of those authentic statements and helping them helping them understand that, hey, you know, I value your future. Is it okay? This is the big thing. This is asking permissive language. Yeah. Is it okay if I tell you something you might not want to hear, but something that I think you'll always thank me for down the road? Right? So that could be one version. One. But now it could also be, is it okay if I give you a piece of advice? Or yeah, yeah you know, is permission. I'm asking for permission because oh, now okay. I'm not telling you, yeah. right? And you'll see people like Tony Robbins do this. You'll see David Meltzer do this. You'll see Dave, you know, uh, um, Asaref to like the people that have studied communication to that level. And then it bleeds into the same discipline and living that lifestyle like the way we're talking about. And what I'm excited for you is 
as you start to uncover more and more of how the spiritual components kind of bring a lot of these things that we're talking about together. Oh, and huge. yeah, yeah, because the energetic I, thing the you're talking I, about I is so, you is that, so yeah, real. I studied meditation very heavily uh, for five years. How, so tell me more. Like when, when was that? What age and, and what was the context? Why did you get into it? 18. Um, I, I got into it... <laughs> Is well, we didn't talk about this, but um, part of why I was able to make that trade when I was seven years old, um, and actually, like, you know, people are like, well, you know, he's just like, you know, buy an apple because he got a hundred dollars. Like, no, no, I, I bought uh, gold because I felt that the um, rate adjustment from the feds was going to bolster the gold market, and that was what I said. So there was like, you know, actual planning going on into that, and I was able to understand that because when I was born, my brain allocated uh, most of the weight to the left brain which is the analytical side and not a lot well a lot did go to the right which is the creative linguistic speaking side but there just was a huge gap a 20 iq gap which is massive so it's like imagine you know if you don't most people don't understand how brains work and why should you but imagine like you know there's a road right of communication and a 20 iq gap is like this like you're talking about put your hands out about a foot foot apart and then, you know, you're trying to go and like, you know, trying to make turns. You can't make a turn. You fall off a cliff, right? You're done, right? So I wasn't able to speak very well. I actually had a speech impediment uh, and a slur, stutter. Couldn't understand anything socially, uh, especially kids my age. Like I would sit there and I'd have zero clue what was going on. Like, why is this person making fun of me? Why is this person saying, like I had, like I'm talking about zero, like, I mean, zero awareness. Like they diagnosed me with, um, medium um, level Asperger's actually wow. uh, and it was I'm mean, tying back into the meditation thing but that that came into uh, helping grow in that area but it was something I had to very actively work on and I thank my mother for this one seriously because she sat me down when I was a little kid and was like you know you can either work on this and it's gonna be very hard very challenging frustrating tough and I was like you know like four years old um, and then, you know, in like 10, 15 years, you're going to thank yourself. Or you can just not spend all these hours doing it and go, you know, live a great little childhood life. Like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And that's been my whole mindset ever since then. So shout out to my mom for that one because that was very, um, you know, huge. In so my I'm life. guessing she was practicing it too, right? Because yeah, she, was, she would help me. Yeah, and, and that's a quality parent, right? Because it's leading parent. by example. Great, too. great, if you are great parent. Um, so it wasn't until like 13, 14, 15 where I could be able to like understand like, so, like social skills and things well. Like I'd, I'd be off, I'd be like, you know, like that weird, dorky, like what, like what are you doing? Just no awareness. So um, everything I learned socially came from like active learning so that's why when i look when i gave you the example about the people and the friends and you know falling off the whole casino thing it's like i have learned from like you know studies reading understanding numbers patterns so it's a very different approach to social things and now i'd say that my social skills are one of my strengths which is a huge part of you know why i raise um you know a good amount of money and a lot i've done pretty quickly yeah. um so the meditation came into play because it really helps your brain i think it's like so funny how people work out the bodies like you know you and i we work out our bodies and but people don't work out the brains and that's what it is and it allowed me to become better at every aspect of my life and i went from reacting to responding and that actually carried over to my trading too um 
so it was something that you know I still practice now and I think is huge is to remain that level-headed you know no matter what's going on and there's some things you know we all got things to work on something for me you know is uh incompetence with someone is something that really pisses me off like yeah. I'm okay with whatever happened in the world like I had you know two thefts that were huge like back-to-back weeks cross-side of the countries lost everything wasn't even there it was crazy I got told I didn't even like didn't even should I I was like, okay, I didn't even care. But, uh, you know, driving with someone and you miss a turn when you're supposed to because you're not paying attention because on your phone, that bothers me. Because yeah. that's a conscious choice, right? It's yep. not like, you know, something just happened. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's why we get along well is because you understand that too. Yeah, yeah, and I love what you say because if I would have been, if we would have had this conversation three years ago, uh-huh. maybe both three years younger when we had this, right. you, you made this same topic. Not only would I be slightly intimidated when you explain all these things and like, oh, well, you know, you were, you were born with the DNA that like allowed you to do this. And, and I think a lot of people might forget about the adversity that made you who you are. And I think oh, that's, yeah. the, that's the cherry on top that people really need, I, including myself. We all need to understand that the adversity is what builds us here. So I'm glad why you've reached success at this level is because you can also openly talk about them. Now, a spiritual component. Amen. Right? Absolutely. And the hardest, I don't want to say the hardest part. The most beautiful part for me has been that you don't get an immediate return. It's that thing like you had said, you know, I, I love the context that you say five years, right? Because I, I do think it's a minimum of a year, two years. And after you've been doing it a few years and five years yeah. or more con- consistently, right? Trying to do it every day because I think consistency is the magic there. All of a sudden you start to realize things in your life start to make more sense, but you're in control of your emotions. I used to have some anger problems and, and challenges, right? Not Especially better. in athletics and things, yeah. I think, and, and just not understanding myself. And I, I couldn't imagine for both of us, you know, going through different phases of like trying to fit in. And you had straight up said, you know, right before we hopped in and, and you mentioned it there is like communication is one of your strengths now, but it wasn't before. So it took oh, you God. consciously knowing that yes. and then saying, I can create a planner strategy, right? And yeah. I'm going to. Um, when you would go on, you know, uh, what was it like talking to women, you know, in high school oh. or even the beginning of college when you obviously would have been a star at wherever you oh, played? Yeah. Didn't, but didn't go to college. Oh, shit, uh, I forgot. You high school dropout. Yeah, but um, it was uh, <laughs> uh, brutal to be putting it lightly. Uh, Do you have uh, one story just to give me an example or give anyone? And you don't have to go in. Ooh, several, uh, several come to mind. Um, but it was like it was like walking uh, up like an escalator almost. That's going in the opposite direction, and it's just like I just didn't, I just didn't, um, I just didn't know. But I had a couple things going for. Me. I was tall, yeah. Uh, but I was actually overweight then for for a good part of my life when I was younger. So I wasn't really looking too good. And uh, to be honest, I didn't get interested in women until I was like thirteen, fourteen. I actually had a very late development. Yeah. Um, but it was something where I really had to learn from friends and people and just like, honestly, that's like I approach everything. <laughs> just like a research study. Like, I mean, I'll just study things and I'll just think about it. I'll write about it and I'll just quantify it in numbers. And then I have a great memory. So I store it. And that's how, you know, I'd say uh, area rain proof. I'd say I do okay now. Um, and it's just from understanding patterns and that's my whole thing hey man i was just about to mention this because because such a big part of this is like this can sound complex patterns. because i can only relate based on communication for me patterns are a lot more visible right yeah. how i'm communicating and, and walking away and and whether it's door knocking that helps accelerate that but to get that a b test i view it as like i'm out in training and i'm just learning from door to door like yeah being able to test these things pattern recognition 
is I think this the more simple way to understand like where our passion lies because we've if we can all identify what our strengths are and assessments can help us then putting more attention into it I didn't know it early on but you're right you're, you're noticing wow when I do that on a call or if I show up to a sales meeting with a smile and a certain energetic presence this tends to be the result and then we have metrics to, to drive it right, right or to back it or if I bring this conversation up or if I bring a scale of one to 10 kind of question up, it tends to do this. If I set up the Absolutely. next call and make it, you know, yep. Yep. same thing. these things are applying for same you. Same thing with business. I think you're talking to women, same thing uh, in trading. It is the exact same thing. It's, you know, like when you understand something to a certain level, you see how it relates to other areas in life. I think the biggest one is understanding the, you know, between this and also what you see in nature. It's, 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 um, it's really is the same. So I said, like investing, it's really simple, you know? It's just, it's hard to do, and a lot of people don't want to wait. A lot of people are greedy. And actually the fact, the key fact about me that really surprised people is I'm not a big money person, despite my work literally involving money. Like, that is what it is. Like, yeah. like it's just money. You yeah. take, you get money, you invest money, you distribute money. It's, it's just money. Um, and I don't operate from a perspective of wanting to have a lot of money because that to me doesn't really provide value you know i love execution of things i love challenges that's why i love basketball when i started sucked like i just didn't have like coordination uh it was very hard uh started very late in montana like you know everything's <laughs> not really lined up to you yeah. know succeed there but i love the challenge of it uh and that's why i really love um trading and um running a hedge fund because it is so challenging it's the only marketplace only job where it literally changes every day constantly it's like imagine if you went to the hospital to get a surgery get a checkup and the doctor comes out or surgeon and the success rate of him telling you um what you you know need to do or doing operation is like nine percent like that doesn't exist in society that's the market, and that's what people are up against. And I love that. I also love how there's zero security. Like, people give me money, give the fun money, to raise to money and, and to make money. They don't just give it to you to, you know, just sit on it. Yeah. So if you don't do well, like, like you're done. Like you can have, you know, three, five, seven, ten years. You know, it's almost kind of like football players. You know, one year you get injury, boom, you're out. And I love that. I love the lack of security because it's pressure. And I love pressure because it's the ultimate arena where self-accomplishment, self-habits, self-drive, and what you do in your life has, like, limitless results. Yeah. Working a lot of things like you're capped by your environment, you're capped by hours, you're capped by the structure in this there is no limit, but then there is no security. Yeah. So big thing I always get asked is, you know, why is most of my money uh, in the fund? And it's like, well, I got ultimate confidence in what I do, not only, but the other traders uh, in the fund who are phenomenal. And I'm very thankful to have them with me, um, which is a big part of why I wanted to rotate to the fund structure was to bring in the best people in other areas. And I just feel like we're going to continue to do very well. And we have so far and we're going to continue. I love it. And I have no doubt. And we've talked so much today about and, and during this conversation of the successes. Yeah, we talked about the early challenges and it sounds like the majority you've had a, a good few years, especially. And, and you've been doing this since seven. Right. So you've been around it for a long time. You yeah, have more yeah. wisdom and experience. Than most funny thing. The funny thing is after that gold trade, it actually turned out to be really well. 
you know, like uh, it was a tight margin in my dad's account, Schwab, and a hundred dollars went to like you know fifteen sixty, and uh, my father rightfully so didn't feel it was appropriate for his kid at seven to have that type of money. Yeah. So he said I couldn't trade to understand the value of money. So I was shut off from trading for like years, four years, yeah. and I had to work in the fields, do the manual labor to really appreciate and understand what does money actually value and mean. Yeah. So it's kind of that whole time period I was like thinking there, like stemming, building up, like what I wanted to do. And that's really how I spent uh, most of my childhood later after that. And I think that was huge because that's why I didn't go to college, which we touched about on earlier and didn't finish high school. Um, I didn't feel it was the most effective, efficient way for me to get to where I was going. And I had one of my hedge fund mentors uh, talk, talk to me and, and say, you know what, you know, William, if you just focus on your models and spend more time on what you're doing, that's the best thing for you. I'm like, I'd love to have you here and work for my fund. But honestly, if you just focus on that, you'll do way better. And that was really nice because he cared more about my own well-being than, you know, what's best for him. And a big part of that is, like, how could someone, you know, at just 23 when I started the hedge fund um, – have one at such a young age, didn't go to institution, didn't go to college. How does that happen? And it's because of time and effective time. If you think about it, you go to college, you get out, you work, you work out, that whole period, and then you're in the typical work life. How much time do you actually have in your day to do things, to really do things? A couple hours, you know, much, and then I have actual free time. You don't really have much, right? So I didn't have that. So that entire time window, I spent learning about training. And I was also focused on athletics. That's all I did, especially, especially in high school growing up. So from my standpoint, it's like I'm like 50 years old in that aspect because the time I've put in is, is like someone had gone about the normal typical routine for, you know, at, you know, 30 years after the age of 20. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really not touched, touched upon enough and then also it's effective time and something i wanted to ask you because i know we're different on this is the sleep thing and about waking up early in the morning and i'll tell people about this and they'll actually get surprised like you wake up at what time like you sleep how much and i really feel and also uh certain uh especially large company leaders are kind of talking about this more that they're actually sleeping more too and waking up later uh but i feel sleep is the most important thing because for me, everyone works differently. Uh, but I have found, especially for myself, is that, look, I'm sure you want to sleep five, six hours a day. You know, you get an extra three or four hours of work opportunity. Let's say you maximize it, right? But the effectiveness of you in that time, I feel, is much lower. It's like, all right, so I'll sleep nine, ten hours, ten and a half. And then when I'm working, like, I'm doing three times as much as quickly and effectively as if I had slept, like, six. Yep. And I know we differ on that because you like to wake up real early, man. And I, I respect that. I respect that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, so our reasoning is is pretty much spot on, right? That sleep is one of the most important factors in, in my personal health well-being. And I have a good feeling knowing how much you research you do into things too and, and why you do it because that's a big part of your Absolutely. successes and continued successes. You look into it, and I've read a few books on it, because I used to struggle with it and I didn't think I was someone that could go to bed early. That was what it took after two or three years of still 
unsustainably waking up early even though I'd go to bed late. So I knew for me I operated the best waking up early. And again, mm. we all operate different. We I do. think that's the biggest thing to take yep. away. What I can tell you is from the studies that have come out up to this point and the masses of those studies heavily lean towards the the vast majority of the world, like ninety more than ninety percent need eight to nine hours of sleep, right? And I know it's very common in the business world and, and the corporate world. Oh, it's like, like glorified. It's, like it's glorified that it like is. I woke up and they're going to mention it in the meeting oh, yeah. and, and sometime, you know, yeah. they're going to sprinkle the it office. in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's cool. But you, just like you would said, dude, it's what level am I operating at? Right. And I know me. I'm an energetic person. You I are. bring the presence. I want people to feel it. And it's helped me. If I'm not. I don't show up like that, but my brain is, is, I don't want to necessarily say foggy, but it's, I I feel the difference between six hours and eight hours. I know it. Right. And pattern recognition. Again, you start to have that same concept with like your daily routines and and setting those things up. But I would say one takeaway that helped out immensely was learning that almost all of us have alarms to wake up in the morning, yet we don't have an alarm to tell us to go to bed. Right. Right. And that reminder. And it's not that the alarm was out your body, but not working out your mind. Amen. Right. Cause sleep is how we reset. Like it's, yeah. it is foundational for like why our brains operate at, at a whole nother level than any other mammal. Right. And, yep. and it's, are we going to let that work in our favor or not? You know, yeah. showing up at 60% brain efficiency versus 92 is, yeah. is, a, is a game changer. You know, you've heard people talk about compounding money, right. And why you invest in the market. Like for example, the best thing for most people to do is just buy an index, hold it there. Like you'll, and you have a very long, long-term outlook you're going to do great, right? And why are you going to do great? Because it compounds. Instead, you're not touching it, and you can handle a time when it goes down a lot for several years. You'll be just fine because you are not. You don't need it anytime soon, right? What people talk about is, like, time compounding and, like, the little decisions every day that free up more time. I'm really big on that. Like, efficiency, people know me, is, like, my favorite word. Mm-hmm. And I actually have something that's called my triangle of efficiency, and it's actually based on where I live and your triangle is the three most actively spent times that you spend time in, which for me is predominantly, uh, the house, which are the offices, uh, what could be house, work, gym, mines, house, grocery store, gym. That is where I spend most of the time. So that's why I moved to Miami apart from a couple other reasons was because the triangle is very tightly there. And when you have that extra time, it compounds and it's just, I think it just does wonders. Like I, and people think this is almost psychotic, but when I do things in the day, I'm always thinking about how can it be done more quickly and efficiently. Not that you cut out quality, but like, it's like your routine in the morning when you're, you know, washing your face, brushing your teeth. Like I'll, I'll actively think about where the little, you know, my skincare bottles are oriented on uh, the countertop and you know, where the toothbrush is. Um, also like driving. People just, I think, passive drivers. Why are you not trying to cut up and be closer at the light and switch into a different lane that has less cars? Uh, crosswalking. Why aren't you walking halfway across when there's no oncoming traffic, even if the light's not yours? Why don't you get halfway over so the light does shift? You just, you just saved half a length right there. And that's something that is a testament to why I feel I get so many things done. Yeah. It's because of that talent and what is true of people. People don't think about, you know, time compounding. Amen. Everything we've talked about today and all the behaviors and things that we know in the back of our mind make us better, bring us to that next level that uh, it's 
it's a requirement that eventually it does compound why daily routines are so important right. and the discipline to fulfill them. But if we have a why, then it hopefully can pull us towards it. And if that why is deep enough, it does start to energize you. For me, you, you mentioning that connected two things in my head that I didn't really realize, right? I didn't have the mindset of how do I do everything more efficiently in my personal life until the last few years. Mm -hmm. And it took scaling a company. Now, mm -hmm. for the other co-founder, Chris and I, mm -hmm. or Kazo, we both knew that was an area that we needed within the company if we wanted to get to where we knew we needed to, right? To scale. Yeah. That there were some core components and one of them systems and operations. We knew the importance, didn't know how to do it, mm -hmm. right? Now, when we brought in the rock star, her name's Erin, she's now a partner on mm -hmm. in Uptown Creation, she has implemented them. And it's a big part of why our company is so lean and efficient and it's such a professional experience from, from start to finish. Now, applying that and learning over time that when we're applying these things and we're hiring new salespeople all the time and hiring new fulfillment all the time, I never thought like this before, right? When our mm -hmm. team was me, you know, Chris and I, that was a little different now that we what, have- What started off you thinking like that? Was it someone, someone said something, you noticed something? Well, it was, it? it was in this that we have to think at scale, mm. right? Yeah, we're, we're bringing on this full-time sales person and they might be the first, yeah. but we need to be planning because in a year we're going to have 50 and we, we can run the numbers and it's, it becomes pretty realistic pretty quick. Um, that, uh, that was what it took for me to start identifying those little things. Cause I do a lot of those and there's yeah. times I'll, it'll hit me and I'm like, am I like borderline OCD? I'm not mad about no. it or anything, but it's like, I do no, value not. efficiency like that. You should. And I also think one of the biggest things, and I've never talked about this before, something that helps me out a lot is walking with intention. Mm. Almost everywhere you go, you're going to see me and I'm, you and me are tall people. Right. So yeah, it seems from across the street, it probably looks like I'm walking pretty fast. I, to me, it's not like that. No, at a young age, my dad being, you know, over six foot. And when I was whatever, four feet tall and like in the grocery store, he would walk his pace and he'd be like, keep up with me, keep up with right. me. And there's always that hearing that. And so growing up and then the legs got a little longer, I continue that. But that same thing helps me show up in meetings at an energetic level where I know I come in with confidence, even though I might not have it all. Right. But it also, I can tell you for a fact helps when you're door knocking. Right. And so what that just tells me is it's it's doing something energetically for me personally, right? Because it's body language and, and well, people, our body. People pick up on it. They do. They do. I think yeah. the easiest thing I'm realizing now, though, is that it actually sets me up easier, right? It's not yeah. as much. It's not You're as important about remembering foundation. it perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It makes yeah. it a lot easier, right? Something I wanted to touch on that you mentioned earlier was adversity. Yeah. And challenges. And I think, I feel people shy away from that when they really shouldn't. And I actually seek you know conf conflict and adversity not out in life with personal people but i'm talking like in my own life uh like for example when i was coming back from montana uh this past um this last summer and uh, i wanted to drive it straight which is about 16 and a half hours and i never driven it straight like no caffeine no sleeping you know i wanted to see if i could do it and the reason being is that I have found it so true is like just like the meditation work out your body is when you work out your comfort level and doing things in your life and you accomplish that move on you build like like another level honestly you build more strength it's a great thing so people that yeah. are there my mom's like what are you doing like are you, like, you sleep are you sleeping right now is this like a sound decision I'm like yeah i want to see if i can do it because it's gonna make me stronger and 
I carry that to everything, like especially if you have to use the restroom and you have to wait or you're hungry yeah. um, or you want to do something, you put it off. And that's why I feel like doing like my work is like going to the gym and you're, you know, you're running 10 miles an hour, 12, yeah. 15, and then you're just walking. And like, I don't get tired from what I do. People always say, like, how do you have so much energy? I just feel like what I'm doing is like effortless. It helps to really love what I'm doing. And everything but it's just i don't find it difficult like you know before you came over today mark got absolutely uh you know tanked you know today for you know several different uh reasons and you know it was pretty volatile and there's a lot of opportunity to deploy some money and start taking positions and i was just zoned in like you know the whole day and then was viewing um some stuff with the administrator and our accountant um which is intense like those excel files that we go over for all the investors and everything to go over different uh statements uh is very intense like in terms of the, the structure and the components um and i wasn't even faced um and i feel that's achieved by when you seek those things and there's so much is being said and done now to diminish that and really you know like demasculine you know men and the culture but make people more complacent in things and i feel that's why people are just you know kind of more just okay and flimsical and soft and intense situations and i feel that's why things have really widened in the country you know and i think it's sad uh but i think it's great for me because it makes me stand out more and same for you it makes you stand out yeah. more from what you think versus how the typical person thinks uh but that's something that i think has been extremely huge for me is really seeking out that adversary because it just it makes everything in life so much easier Absolutely. And, and you had said that it applies to all the different aspects. I Everything. love that you give the examples of, of pushing yourself a little bit more, whether it's like yeah. holding to go to the restroom or it's like, it's, yeah. even when you don't have to follow, you tests. know, even when you don't have to. And that is like, it handles you for situations. I can handle, you know, you know, anything that comes across my way, I'll break it down and do whatever needs to be done. And, um, especially like when I was very young, um, and I had, uh, you know, we get hammered in the market, you know, because there was something I just didn't know. You know, I'm like, you know, 12 years old and, you know, didn't understand uh, how derivative prices, you know, are affected after an earnings report. Didn't understand that the volatility would drop, which is a key thing and why the price was so high. Volatility plays into the price. Um, I didn't understand that it would, it would drop so much because they don't think the thing's going to move anymore because of their earnings announcement happened which is why the price came down i didn't know that yeah got absolutely hammered and my approach was wow okay this, what do i need to go out there well i need to go work I need to get some more money repeat and i need to do some more research and having that mentality and stemming from that is i think what set to what sets people apart it's like yeah. you either approach things like that or you know you play victim oh it was this or it was an excuse or something and even if it is i just don't think that's healthy and uh, and it's just it's it's just and that, that that actually that that'll bother me with people because that to me is just you're consciously choosing inadequacy on your own and that's something where i just like i get like it's almost like repulsive to me and i just like just hate it yeah yeah and 
I know just seeing you, feeling you, and, and from our previous conversations, you do I'm this because you want everyone right to live now. a high quality life. Yeah. And then at times, it's just as you it doesn't matter where this. you're at. It's just like what you're doing. Just just do the best do you can, and that's okay. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you have, what you look like, whatever. It's just the things in your day that you're choosing to do. Do them the best you can. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And maybe if, if tomorrow, how could I do it tomorrow a little bit better? Or, or, you know, how can I do it a little bit better today than I did yeah. yesterday? And, and, and it's, it's, I think that comes from meditation is the mindfulness. Yeah. It's like, especially Present like. Present with the thought when it's yeah. in your mind. Where's it coming from? For me, it was a big thing, like, for talking with prospectus investors about raising money. How do you raise money from people who don't know you when you didn't go to school, let alone, like, an Ivy school? You didn't work at a huge institution. How are you going to get these people to give you money, right? Very, very difficult situation. And that was my reality, like when I moved to Miami, and I knew nobody. Uh, but I made friends quickly. And, you know, people like me. My whole thing has always been: if you provide value, value will come yeah. to you. And that's what I think the healthy basis for every relationship is: is like every person in your life should be providing you value, and you should be providing them value yeah. in whatever area. And it was really from like the studying aspect of that. And it was difficult, but the funniest thing was, I thought it was gonna be pretty simple. I was like, look, here are my stats, you know, for 2019, 2020. Like over 50% in 2019 gross and over 100 in 2020 gross. Like, should be pretty simple, right? Nobody really cared about that. You know what people cared about? Was likability and trust. Yeah. Now these are people, these aren't institutions, which is, which are different, but until you get to institutions, you gotta go through people. But that blew my mind. I was like, why aren't they caring about the numbers? They don't care about the numbers. All these people care about is do they trust you? Do they like you? You know, can they give you a million down the road? Sure, they'll give you, you know, $100,000, but can they give you more down the road? That's what people care about. Like, do you have that? And that was something that really uh, had a huge impact on me because it's very different from how I think. And my biggest problem with communication to the people is I, I often will trap my thinking into, you know, well, I don't think like, like how can this person think like that? I'm thinking from my perspective and I'll get caught up and I'll forget. And I can be like, just dismissive sometimes, yep. and I, you know, I probably might do just cause like, I'm just like, how does, you know, how do you do that? Like, you know, and I'm yep. forgetting from their standpoint. And I view things now as like, what is the person capable of like what are people capable of like what is their potential to choose actions you know instead of like what they're doing and that's how i view things and judging from that standpoint instead of the actual actions like well are they capable of change are they capable of making a better decision maybe they're not you know that's how i look at those type of things amen and and agree right and 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 i said i catch myself saying amen a lot and it's just like dude i'm learning as the same time oh, it's I like dude it. bookmark in my mind bookmark <laughs> um and, yeah and i tell it, you that thing about asking mind. permission now i've done that a couple times but i haven't made it a uh you know test it out yeah i haven't made it like a stand standpoint for me to do but i will thank you yeah it's a great one yeah, especially when you want to provide advice right because oh, yeah. I, I love communication oh right because you realize it's it's communication. i, I it's believe everything. that eq is going to build more influence and help the world more than oh, it I, does. I think it's, you need both yeah i think eq is how you get that message to others because it's not yeah. how well you you communicate it's how well again that message is received and that's something i, I want to hit on now I want, before we, we move on to the, the last topic, I'm really excited for this because this is something I know people are going to want to take notes on. Sure. William, how can people get in contact with you or learn more about everything 
you and, and your fund are doing? Yeah, very simple. You can just go to our website, camshaftcapital.com, spelled C-A-M-S-H-A-F-T, capital, C-A-P-I-T-O-L, capital.com. And, uh, sorry, A-L.com. On there, you're going to find um, everything you need to know about us. We have an extensive FAQ section. Uh, you'll learn more about the different people uh, in the fund. You'll learn about our partners. Uh, Deloitte uh, does our um, audit. Um, Stonex is our prime bro- broker. Cooley is our main um, law firm, just to highlight um, a few. And there's a section for you to contact us uh, directly. I love it. And and definitely this guy, what I'm so excited for is I know this interview five years, 10 years, I mean, already right now, I love it. And I know the value that's going to come, but I can't wait for you and me and where we're going to, you know, meet up in 10 years from now. And we don't know where the lives will be, but well, when we do, and we get to go yeah. back and watch this, I, know, honestly, where we were at. I feel like every two, three months is like a year. Amen. You know, living I, a compounded I can't life. believe like things a year ago or two years ago. It just seems, it seems so long, you know? Right. And I love that. I, I, I agree. And and it makes time almost feel like it's going by fast. And that's yeah. the other thing that I'm living a life so happy and I've never had this kind of momentum in life. And I know you too. I'm excited to see where it goes. Now, bringing it together and for so many people out there, whether you're starting the business or you want to raise funds or let's say little Ricky is 23 about to sure. start school and he's like, I want to create a hedge fund. Like a lot of this resonates with me. Numbers make sense to me. Yeah. Right. What should that individual do when they need to raise funds? Now that you've done it, when you, you didn't well, I have think we should talk about the steps before that. Let's do it. Which, which lead into that, which there are, you know, extensive. First of all, if you, there's this misconception that, you know, trading or investing, you know, you can do kind of like a side hustle is a coin term used a lot today, or part-time. Like, that's not it. Like, sure, you can buy the index fund, you know, great one, spy, ETFs, hold that forever. You're going to do great. But as far as actively trading, investing, like, it is a full-time thing. Yeah. And beyond that, like I said, I'm going to give one in 11 traders each year are profitable. Mm-hmm. One out of 11 is, a, like, I'm talking makes money above zero. Not support themselves, but just doesn't lose money. Wow. So the what I always try to say is give people all the information before going into it to make a sound choice. So... Let's say you really, you know, you see those things, you feel you have a knack. Do understand what are your drivers for doing what you're doing? If you're operating from a perspective that, you know, well, trading, you know, you can do whatever you want, whenever, wherever, and you can make a lot of money extremely quickly, that can be good. If it's more about the money focus, that's bad because the number one downfall for people in trading is greed, position sizing, and risk. Too much in one position, too much in one area, too much in one direction. You lose too much. Why are you doing that? Because you want to make more money. Why do you want to make more money? Maybe because you don't have a lot of money or you've just been attracted to it, right? Those are things that should follow you. So you have to really operate from a perspective. I'm going to say this earlier, but like almost emotional intelligence is actually will tie in. Uh, the best traders are often very emotionally intelligent because you have to have no emotion. Like I have no connection to money or my positions. Like it can go wherever. It doesn't matter to me because everything's a system. It's systematic. So you have to approach things like that, and you have to detach from money. And people have a very hard time detaching from money, right? So that's something that takes time, doesn't just come off the bat. And you go through all that, you want to get experience. You want to work uh, somewhere, ideally, uh, a firm, an institution, 
is the best way uh, to go. So once you go through there, then there's there's several hierarchies through through an institution, and that will really tell you if like you can do this full time. Because I actually, you know, I skipped a lot of steps. I did. And I was very fortunate, and, you know, hit the jackpot from how my brain worked. Uh, my father worked at Merrill Lynch. Um, he was an advocate for teaching me at a very young age, and I spent predominantly most of my time in childhood trading. So that was a very anomaly, and I'm thankful of that. But the typical steps is you work at an institution, uh, you know, you, you see if their rigor is good for you. And we don't have to talk about the steps, but after that, you want to start the fund. Um, the biggest thing is really understanding what you're bringing and being able to communicate that to people, especially understanding, because if you're going to start off, how can you break down complex topics very simply? You know, you, I, I've come across a lot of other funds and I'll talk with them because uh, I invest in other funds too. And they don't know how to explain things in a simple manner. And you have to really dump, dump things down. These are very yeah. dense topics. Yeah. So that's a key thing. And the other thing is like in your own life, you have to understand that like, are you okay with failing? Are you prepared to fail? Because the success rate is very low. There's a reason. How many, how many hedge funds do you think are created each year? I have no number. Should okay. I give a number? About, okay. Well, we'll that data about in a year the U.S. Ago. or no, in general. Yeah, general. I'll say 500. Yeah, around there. Several hundred, a thousand okay. times, you know, a couple thousand active, like you know, truly active. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very, very small market. It's about almost like becoming a professional athlete, Yeah. you know, at the highest level. Um, and you have to be willing to, you know, take that risk. And really, you have to have the confidence. You got to have confidence in all areas. Like confidence when you're down, when you're up. That is the number one thing. So if you have those qualities, and a lot of it, to be honest, you just have it or you don't. Yeah. I mean, people might not want to hear that, but it's just it's the truth. And it's why, like, when I was younger, I used to teach people how to trade. And I moved away from it because... I realize a lot of people just aren't capable. Yeah. So it's just it's just not right for them to do it. Yep. So if you feel that's you, go through those steps, put it. Don't feel poor when you have setbacks. You have to keep a level head. Don't have your money be tied to your trading. Like having you need you, you have to have some other income, and you gotta do both full time, which is a lot of work. But it's what's required because if you're trading, if you start off and your trading comes full time you're going to be operating from a perspective that's going to hurt you in terms of money, which is everything, which is why, you know, if you ever wonder how do big hedge funds that manage $50 billion blow up? Cause of greed, you know, it's, and that's why like for us, like we've never had a down quarter back to back down months, even though we've outpaced the market significantly and our competition is cause we're not greedy. We don't operate from that standpoint. And that is the biggest thing you have to think about is coming from that standpoint. And if you do that, things will just line up for you. And it'll either come to you or it won't. What was a foundational book? You can only name one. What's one book that you'd recommend on this topic or something that was transformational? Not on this topic, but uh, 48 Laws of Power. Love it. Absolutely. Foundational. I think was an impeccable book. And it's actually funny. I didn't read a lot of trading books, actually. And I still still haven't... Uh, I feel that the market is very watered down. Everyone will say that. Like, the, the way to find profits. You have to re operate differently. 
and at the end result, I was shooting everything in order to succeed. And <laughs> it's just going off of what what there is, and that's the market. Yeah. So if you if you just spend your time and you just deal with the market, you're gonna learn, and that's what I did. So I think the reading element is important for this. It, it, it's all practice. You just got to get out there. You got to practice. Go get a paper trading account, fake money, start journaling, start writing. Think, Start thinking about why you think things are going to move and just write it. Like you can do it on an hourly or daily time frame. Think about you know why this is going to happen for X amount of reason and then set a price. I think Apple's going to go from you know 100 to 101. It's not the price right now, just hypothetical. You know, say why, then say what happened at the end of the day. Why you think that happened? Keep a track of it. Do it time in, time out. At the end of the day, price action is God in the stock market. Doesn't matter what you think is happening, whatever happens, it's all told in the price action. Like what the, what the price actually is. You understand that, everything becomes easier. You just got the rundown. I hope you took the notes, pen and paper for. The foundation and, and the high-level steps that you took to get you to where you are, and I know it only came from authenticity. And before we started this conversa- conversation and hit record, that we both wanted to provide as much authentic value and give back, and yeah. you know, just being transparent. So, thank yeah. you, brother. I appreciate this. We'll be doing another one. This is awesome, man. Oh yeah, I enjoyed this it. This is a good one. Thank you for everyone that listened. Oh yeah, this will be a good one.